I heard the nurse last night. They want to keep me locked in a padded room until the world forgets about me. They don't really care what happens to us, you know? Walking around, shoving pills down everyone's throats. You think that helps? You think that fixes them? Fixes us? Because it doesn't. All they're doing is locking people away in their own heads, where all the nightmares live. You're locking them up and throwing away the key. It's easier to deal with people you don't understand when the lights are on, but no one's home. Heard them like sheep from one activity to the next, telling them, everything's fine, take your pills. Two months in, I made a so-called friend, a guy named Eric. Real nice guy, liked to smile. We made conversation, played cards, listened to the shitty record they keep playing over and over in the rec room. Then one day, I went in, and Eric sat down next to me and shoved a pen in my chest. I screamed at the guy, and he went for my neck, just smiling, bright as sunshine. The nurses came in and sedated me, me, for screaming, and just walked smiling Eric back to his happy room. I saw him walk past the infirmary a couple of times while I was laid up in there, whistling that song from the record. I've seen people piss themselves just staring out the window, like they didn't even know they were doing it. Last week, Marco came down from his meds, and as soon as he was thinking for himself, he walked right back to his room and swallowed his sock. You didn't find him for two hours. The guy got back to his normal self, and the only thing he wanted to do was to stop living. All the pills, all the shots, all the shock therapy, all the treatment and he still offed himself the first chance he got. I know these kinds of things happen all the time in institutions. Hell, we aren't exactly the most stable people, are we? And put a bunch of us in the same place for any length of time, and there are bound to be incidents. This place, though, this land of the lost, something isn't right here. I feel it when I'm trying to sleep. I feel it when I'm waiting in line with the paper cup. I feel it when people start whispering to each other. I think you can, too. Otherwise, you wouldn't have taken a special interest in me when I tried to talk about it. Strange things are going on in here. Not just with the patients. It's a creeping tingle that starts in the back of your neck and runs down your spine. You get lightheaded and your face flushes. Cold sweats kick in while you try to focus on your breathing and not hyperventilate. How about that? Am I close? Is that what you feel, too? This building is becoming more of a thing than a place every day. When was the last time you felt like you weren't being watched in here? It's constant. No matter where you go, what you're doing, you always feel someone staring daggers into the back of your head. There's a spot in the hallway that makes everyone dizzy when they walk past, patients and staff alike. No one uses the install in the bathroom, and they don't say why but I know they get the same sensation I do when they get close to the door or try to look inside. It's wrong. And dangerous. I mean, using the stall isn't, but the stall itself is wrong. Something about it shouldn't be. That's the only way I can describe it. Once I was heading back to my room and was about to walk in when I got nauseous, I stopped and put my hand on the wall to steady myself, and when I looked inside I knew it was the room causing it. My things were in their correct places, 
but they weren't really my things. The cover of the book sitting on the desk was more worn. My pillowcase was a darker shade. The thing that caught my eye and almost brought me to my knees was the picture on the wall of my father and myself at the beach. We were mid-laugh, hair wet, slightly sunburned. But he wasn't there for that trip. He died before I was a teenager. My mother was supposed to be in the picture instead. I went back down the hallway and thought I must have been at the wrong room. It was possible I'd seen someone else's things that looked close to mine. So I walked slowly to my room, even counting the doors and making sure the numbers were right. When I got there, I looked in, and everything was how it was supposed to be. The picture had my mother in it. The book and pillowcase were mine again. I didn't tell anyone about it. I wasn't sure that what I saw was real. The nurse, uh, Becca, she's not on leave, is she? She was nice. I really liked her, you know. Maybe in another life we could have gotten to know each other better. We were in the rec room after dinner, after our nightly meds. It was quiet. Everyone was keeping to themselves. Some classical record was playing softly to fill the silence. I was counting the ceiling tiles again when I heard a noise that I thought was static coming from the record player. Some time goes by, and I hear it again, but this time I paid attention. It wasn't static. It was ripping. Tearing. I looked around but couldn't see anything in the room that would make the noise. I heard it again, so I got up. Becca was sitting in the nurse's station, alone. She was staring at the wall. On her lap was the medlog book, open to the middle. I watched as she reached down and tore a strip of paper off, crumpled it up, and put it in her mouth. She chewed slowly, never taking her eyes off the wall. She swallowed, tore another piece, and did it again, and again, and again, like a machine. I just stood there, and the other nurse, was it Lynn, opened the door and let out a startled noise as Becca put more paper in her mouth. Becca had started crying. There were tears going down her cheek, but her face never changed. Lynn took her away. This place got to her. I don't think she was in control anymore. What happened Tuesday is why I'm here, isn't it? You want to find out about Elliot? Well, I don't have the answers, but I can tell you what I know. I'm not sure how much help I can be or what you're hoping to get, though. Elliot was different when he came in. He wasn't living in his own world like a lot of us here. Well, present company excluded. But the way he spoke and carried himself, I knew he was smart. He was probably smarter than all of us. Even you. He liked math and science the way that an addict likes vices. He sat in the corner every day with a drawing pad working on math I'd never seen before, just humming. Found out he was a huge blues fan. Good guy. Sad guy, too. He had a mental breakdown when he caught his fiancée cheating. I heard he was a teacher somewhere before. Not sure where or what he taught, but I think it was high-level stuff. So he gets into routine and adjusts to life in here. Pretty soon, he's just one of us, standing in lines, 
listening to the music, trying to stay occupied. One day I go over to ask if he wants to play rummy, and he's just scribbling all over the pad like he was possessed. I asked him if he wanted to join us, and he screwed up his face at his writing and said he needed to finish first, and it wouldn't take him long. I stood there for a second and asked what he was working on. An expression, he said, but I don't know what it means yet. After a few moments, he stopped, looked it over, and nodded, satisfied. He closed the drawing pad and tucked it under his arm, then said he was ready to join us. We walked over to the table and sat down with the others and started playing. Time goes by and we're enjoying ourselves, which is kind of rare in a competitive game with this group. It was me, Elliot, Clancy, and Reese. I'm losing, but I don't care. We're giving Reese a hard time about dropping his cards and he's taking it in stride. He's making his case and trying to turn it around on us when he drops his hand again and we lose it. We were laughing too loud, trying to reel it back in, but none of us had laughed that hard in a while, and honestly, it felt good. Clancy and I ran out of breath and were silent laughing while Reese was holding his gut and bellowing. Elliot's eyes were watering as he tried to control himself, but soon he broke into a coughing fit. I wiped my eyes and caught my breath while he hacked away. He kept coughing as we all stopped laughing. Reese went to pat him on the back, but stopped as puffs of smoke started coming out of Elliot's mouth. Small puffs with each cough. First gray, then black. We got real worried then. I yelled for a nurse as we got up from the table. Elliot's eyes were completely bloodshot. In between the coughs, I could hear little popping noises, like bubble wrap. There was a commotion behind me as the other guys ran to get someone. I didn't know why it was taking so long for them to respond. I got in front of Elliot and told him help was on the way. I could smell the smoke. It was a sweet, charred smell, like burning sugar. He ran out of air and opened his mouth wide to take a breath, and in the back of his throat, the peaks of blue flames. I stepped back and yelled for help. Elliot gripped the armrest on the chair and let out the most painful scream I had ever heard. He threw his head back and blue fire erupted from his chest like a butane torch. It came out of his throat, his mouth. He was completely covered and still screaming. It was over before I could move again. Burnt up like a match. The chair was coated in ash all that was left of him, but somehow was untouched. Him, his clothes, and that pad of paper he carried, all gone in seconds. You know, I didn't think about it until later, but I was right next to him the whole time, and I didn't feel the heat at all. Just that smell. I stood there until he took me back to my room. The other guy saw the smoke, but missed what had happened. The first rounds of questioning made me sure that they were trying to figure out how I had burned him up, no matter how much I told them it wasn't me. When they stopped coming by, I knew that they weren't blaming me anymore. The others aren't sure how to act around me. Some go out of their way to avoid me entirely. What happened to him? That wasn't me. We both know that. But they don't. They treat me like I have a disease. I can't explain what happened to him any more than you can. I mean, 
our bodies are mostly water, right? How did it burn like that from the inside out without burning anything else? What was the ignition source? And it doesn't make sense. I still see his face. And every night I relive it in my dreams. They're different, though. In my dreams, there's a third person there. A woman. Blurry. No more than a silhouette. She stands next to him after we start laughing, then holds out her hand. A blue flame appears hovering over her palm. She puts her hand on his shoulder and shoves the flame into his chest. He starts coughing and she pulls her arm out and kind of evaporates away. I have to witness it happen with no way to stop it. I don't know what it means or what she represents or if it's all nonsense or if it's something entirely different. Hell, maybe it's nothing. But with this place, I think maybe I can see behind the curtain in my dreams, see what this place is hiding from us. Sounds crazy, right? But take a look at where we are. Wouldn't this be the perfect place for something to happen that defies logic or explanation? I mean, who would believe us?